We are the Ballbusters. Your sports news podcast on Unbenched. Breaking the glass ceiling through sports. How's it going? Good afternoon, everyone. I just kicked House Hippo off the couch because <laughs> he is drinking a bubble tea and you have to chew bubble tea and no one came here for ASMR. No, no. Sorry, House here. Hippo, we love you. You came here to listen to us talk about sports and that is exactly what we're going to do today. Um, There's actually been a lot that's happened and I mean, I think the logical thing to do is to start it off with hockey because it's pretty oh, yeah. week. And That's the Stanley Cup final starts, we're recording this Tuesday, tomorrow. So here's the thing, friends. We're going to dive into this. This year's weird because, like, realistically, there's no Cinderella story. This is, this is pretty much what should have happened. Let's talk about Colorado first by themselves, just Colorado. Who has Colorado actually played? Like, I'm being honest here. The silence, there's silence for a reason here. Yeah. Nashville, I don't even, you don't remember that series. Like, it was nothing. St. Louis, like, kind of gave them a series. Like, I guess they beat them. They gave them a series more in, like, a physical way. Like, I know St. Louis won games where the other, their other two opponents didn't. But, like, I feel like the toll of the St. Louis series was that physical. Yeah, and it was, it was I think, a mental thing, too, because it was yeah. such a stupid series. Um, and then Edmonton just didn't show up. They just rolled over and died. Um, like, imagine getting swept in the third round. That's embarrassing. Sorry. Yeah. So... Colorado has two playoff losses this year. Both came at the hands of the St. Louis Blues. And That's Colorado, so wild. Too. I know. I know. Because I had Colorado, or I had St. Louis losing in the first round. Yeah, I, I think I still forget that that first round was St. Louis, Minnesota, because like we say every year. Yeah. Like, and it happened again this year. Like whoever wins their, that first round series, because it's always those two, loses in the second round. It doesn't matter. Yeah, always, always. I mean, this Colorado team, if you look at the last five years, they've grown a lot. In 2016-17, they were absolute garbage. We all remember it. They were brutal. And since then, they've they've grown a lot. They've rebounded. And I think they've kind of found who they are as a team. And... I mean, the obvious question here is, is their goaltending and is it going to be Francis? Is it going to be Kemper? I think that is, we should find out probably today, maybe tomorrow. Um, but when you're looking at Francis or Kemper, is that, is that a goalie that's going to win you the Stanley cup? And obviously I think this Colorado team has great team defense. They goaltending doesn't have to be their biggest worry, but when you look at what Tampa's bringing to the table, that's something you do have to think about. So looking at Tampa, first starters, if Corey Perry loses again in the final, I'm actually going to cry tears. Like, I will cry the realest tears. I don't necessarily even want Tampa to win. Like, I really am. I think I'm cheering for Colorado. But seeing Corey Perry lose again, like, actually might make me never watch hockey again. That's that's my problem because I, I, I cannot... I, I cannot in my heart reconcile Tampa going for a three-peat. No. Especially with like some of the people that are on that team. However, 
I feel like the only thing that would be worse than watching Tampa win three times is watching Corey Perry lose yes, three times. I know. And the thing is, like, I do like Tampa Bay Lightning. They're like a lot of their players. I love John Cooper. I think he's the best coach in the world. I don't need to see them win again. I was going to say, and there's a but coming. Yeah. Uh, but Corey Perry, like, the poor guy. If he loses again. Heartbreaking. That's what's wild is either Tampa's going to win three in a row or Corey Perry's going to lose three in a row. Both outcomes should not happen. And honestly, like, at the end of the day, he already did win the cup. So it's not like he's never won. Yeah. He won in 2007 with Anaheim. But, the like, that's just painful, losing three times in a row in the final. Yep. Yep. I, uh... Yeah, and I quite simply, like, I just don't know how to feel with with it because I I do, I really want to see Colorado win. Like, that's that's who I'm rooting for. Me too. Cowdery um, raising the cup will be the highlight of my life. Yeah. Uh, and also for Arturi Lekkonen, like, of course, my heart is, I love seeing him win. I love the story of sending his team to the final two years mm-hmm. in a row. Someone's going to give him a lot of money next year to do it for them, which mm-hmm. will be fun um yeah and that's the hard part right it's like there's people I feel like on both teams that I want to see win yeah but just some stats here like if Tampa can do this they'll be the first team in the NHL to win three consecutive Stanley Cups since the Islanders four Pete from 1980 to 1983 since the turn of the millennium the Penguins and the Lightning so the Penguins 2016-17 and the Lightning obviously the last two years, are the only two teams in the NHL to win back-to-back titles. So the Penguins did it, 16-17. Lightning did it, 2020-2021. They're the only two teams since 2000 to win back-to-back in the NHL. When you're looking at the four male sports, big sports in North America, so MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, the last team to win three straight championships was the LA Lakers, from 2001 to 2003, and the New York Yankees won in 98, 99, and 2000. So no team in those sports, those four sports, men's sports in North America, have won three straight titles since, pretty much since I was born, so in 20 years, which Tampa is four wins away from doing it. When you look at this matchup, it's very intriguing to me because I honestly, like, just based on skill, I really, I don't even know where to put my my money, I guess, is the best word. Because you look at what Tampa's going up against, right? They just faced Shosturkin, who was phenomenal. And he is a great goalie. And now they're going to one of Kemper or Francis. You're shooting on a lot lesser of an opponent there. But now Colorado is trying to score on Andre Vasilevsky instead of Mike Smith. Like yeah. that's, that's something that I feel like it's not just necessarily like a goalie battle. It's like individual players and the goalies. And my dad yeah. and I were talking about that the other day and how kind of crazy the, let's say level of play is between, you know, those four goalies coming in the, Francis Kemper pairing, Mike Smith, and then you have the goalies in the East who were fantastic. Yeah. 
So and I mean, that's what we said, like from the beginning, it was one of those series was going to be a gold fest, gold fest because it was an overwhelming amount of offensive talent facing off against underwhelming goalies. And the other mm-hmm. one was going to be close, or at least that was the expectation because it was two of the best goalies we've seen in recent memory. And I think it was close, like the, the East series. I mean, yeah. Tampa just knows how to do it and, and they're getting it done again. But other than the goalies, I don't think it's like a lopsided matchup, really. I'm really excited to see where this goes. I like Colorado's defense a lot. I like, you know, what what they do as a team, and I like the way their team plays. Um, I think it's going to be a matter of who can stay healthy, who can, you know, bring those pieces back in and, and have them be, produ- like, have them produce for them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is... We, we make our bets all the time on the show. I don't know. I don't know what this I'm thinking. Hard. I think my heart, my heart keeps saying Colorado in six, but my brain is saying Tampa in seven. Yeah. I was going to say it's hard because I feel like I can't even pick based on like what I think, because at this point I'm like, why would we bet against Tampa? But you look at this Colorado team and they've manhandled pretty much everyone they played against and that's it it's but it's would they have done that in the east and that's that's where I'm having a hard time it's like you look at Tampa they played the Leafs probably their toughest opponent was the first round oh absolutely I mean Florida was nothing for them but that New York team they looked really good yeah and like that that New York and that Toronto you know those series they were tough for Tampa like that's not an easy not an easy series. And you look at Colorado and I feel like, although they did face some adversity throughout, it, it wasn't, it was minimal the same path. Yeah. It definitely wasn't the same path as we saw in, uh, in the East. So that's kind of just my mindset on it is, I don't know. And Colorado might come out and tell us all to shut up and be like, no, we got this and kill Tampa. But um, the thing is, like, Tampa can reverse sweep. Like if anybody's going to do it, it'd be them. They could be down three, nothing and come back. and lose it all. Yeah. So that's where I'm just, I just, my hope for this series is a long series with a lot of fun. All the crazy things happen and some good reffing, please. Yeah. Can we, can we emphasize that decent, competent refereeing? I don't know if they've please. said Thank who's you. refing these games yet or who is going to be involved, but for, the love of God. If Wes McCauley is doing them after he's called back a goal in like numerous game sevens already, or him and his like whatever team, him and his team, I should say, because I mean he didn't make the official call, I guess, in one of them. But oh my God, if another goal gets called back in a game seven or in any game where there should not be a goal called back, let me know. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. For, for everyone's sake, we just, you know. Yeah, just I just don't want any team's fans to just lose because of something stupid. And that's what's been happening this whole season. So, yeah. We will um, talk about this again next week, obviously, because we're going to be – the series is very spread out. The schedule is crazy. Yeah. So, like, we're going to be only, like, done, I think, three games by the time we talk to you guys again. So, yeah, we will uh, – We'll see where we're at one team will probably be up two one i don't see anybody being up three nothing but then again 
you never know. What do we know? Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think like, I think my pick is Colorado. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just feel like it's, it's time for them. I they've, agree. They've gotten over all of the kind of like monkeys on their back, this, that, the other thing. I feel like it's their time, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa turned around and said, hi, we're here. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. Um, exactly. Yeah. What I also think is really interesting with these teams is I saw someone point this out the other day. Um, they are going to be two of the teams that are actually going to have the most available cap space mm-hmm. coming up. Cause they have like, a lot of UFAs. Yeah. They have a lot of UFAs, but I feel like for at least what we've seen with Tampa is they haven't undergone a lot of changes. Like that core mm-hmm. has been there the whole time, which when you have that much success, I think just says a lot, a, not only about like the quality of what you're putting on the ice, but the quality of the people that are putting together that team and yeah yeah and you have either... to you have to look at Steve Eiserman too like I know it's been Breezewa's team for a while but a lot of these key pieces were people that Eiserman brought in a lot some of these contracts were even contracts that he he signed or had in the works so at the end of the day this he is such a huge part of this and it's yeah. it's so weird that he's not part of it anymore when he did so much to get them to this point yeah I mean, when I think of Steve Eiserman, I will always think of him in the Tampa Bay front office. Yeah, same. To me, that's just kind of where he belongs. But yeah, like not only is this obviously the matchup of like the two best teams, but it's a testament to like the two best front offices in the league. And Yeah, very well run. How you should be running a team or how you should be looking at running a team. Absolutely, I agree with you. And I think that's a great place to, to end off this Stanley Cup final preview, as maybe we call it. Um Let's talk about some women's hockey. So unless you lived under a rock this week, the women's under 18 world championships finally happened after being postponed and canceled and whatever else happened the last couple of years. So tournament was supposed to be in Sweden back in like January, got canceled. Everybody got mad as we did because it's not fair. As everyone had the right to do. Yes, exactly. Because it, it was not fair. And the tournament got rescheduled, moved to Wisconsin, and it took place the last week in a bit. So let's talk about Team Canada. They had a bit of a rocky round robin, lost two games, which put them to not be one of the leaders. And they didn't get a bye into the semis. They had to play the quarters. It included a big loss to the U.S. So, you know, that's a little little heart-wrenching if you're a, a Team Canada fan, but they persevered. They got through the quarters. They beat Finland in the semis, and last night was the finals where they beat the United States, and it was so nice to see this level of young women back on the ice together at the top level, and I mean, this kind of brings in the conversation. We have in the men's side, we have the under-18s, and then we have the under 20s, which is the world juniors. You don't have that on the women's side. And I would love to see a women's world junior championships. I mean, I don't know when you do it. Like, I don't know if you do it similar time to the men's. I don't know if it's a completely different time, but I think it's it's definitely something to look at because, you know, the development from U18 to U20 is huge. A lot of them are going to be in their first year or two of university collegiate hockey. And so many, if you look at that team, so many of them committed to NCAA schools and are playing there in the fall. So 
I think that under 20 tournament would be such an exciting thing to see. Don't know if it'll happen, but you know, Canada's had some trouble with under 18s in the past couple years before the postponement. I actually was at one of the tournaments. I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 2016. Um, St. Catharines hosted and I went to a lot of the games. I unfortunately saw Canada lose on home ice to um, the U.S. Some notable names that were in that tournament. Kayla Barnes was on Team USA. Team Canada had Emma Malte, Kristen O'Neill. Trying to think. Soraya Tinker was on that team. There was some really good players on Team Canada, and that was a fun tournament. So if they, under 18s, come near you, you got to check it out because it's fun. But I guess the point of this whole thing is just when you get women on the ice playing hockey and you get, you know, that visibility, it was all TSN had a ton of these games. It really makes an impact. And I was at a restaurant last night and I looked up at the TV and the game was on multiple TVs in that, in that restaurant. So if you give people a place to watch it, they're going to watch it. I don't ever want to see that doorbell cam ever again. These women deserve better. The next generation of women deserve better. And congratulations to Team Canada on a great game. Great gold medal game there. And let's see where the next couple of years of women's hockey internationally takes us. Did you have any thoughts or feelings on the under-18s? I mean, none other than like what you said. I think the biggest thing, yeah, is like, let's celebrate the fact that they happened. Um, it's huge for everyone. Yeah. But the IHF could definitely be doing more to grow the women's game. Oh. And I... And that's, that's not a secret. Like they, I think everybody knows that. And we all just, we all just are happy for what we're given and are hesitant to kind of make that noise, but we have to, and we did here and we got, we got those under 18s rescheduled and they got to play them because if we had just sat back and said nothing and all the people that are such advocates in women's hockey, if everybody just sat back and said nothing, this tournament would not have happened this week. Yeah, no, I, I think the tournament happening is just a testament to the power of the women's hockey community and um like I I'm reluctant to give any credit to the IIHF because like congratulations you did the right thing here's a cookie like (laughs) here's a cookie here's a cookie like shove it up your butt Um, (laughs) so yeah I'm excited to see where the women's game goes and I think this was a really good kind of example of what is possible and it's now just up to the higher-ups to decide is it something they're actually going to do or are they going to go back to their old ways of pretending it doesn't exist yeah I agree so claps all around stick taps all around for women's hockey and the fun that we got to watch this week uh last little hockey note fits in with women's hockey uh Marie Philippe Poulain best best play like I wrote in my notes here like Montreal just added one of the best hockey players like not female hockey players, one of the best hockey players in the world to their front office. And I know it's on a part-time basis, which we like, that's good because that means she's still going to be playing. It's still going to be training. It's going to be doing a hundred different things. And, you know, I think she said she's ready for another cycle. And I think we're all ready to, to see what else MPP can give us. And, you know, MVP on the ice means some, some gold medal goals, but this is a huge move for Montreal. And Obviously, it's it's a pretty natural fit. She's from Quebec. She's a huge, huge figure in hockey. And she's got a lot to teach people. And I think she will be really great for development of young players in that organization, which, I mean, they've had some trouble doing. And yeah, development in Montreal have not been two things that 
have gone in the same sentence. No, exactly. So I think she can she can really help there and and development of the players they have. So I'm excited to see kind of what MPP does and if you know this is going to be something long term or if she's going to jump into a new position one day um, in the NHL or in a women's league. Maybe like you never know. I feel like for her options are endless and. It's just these names popping up left, right, and center, getting hired by NHL teams, getting hired by European teams, getting hired by, you know, AHL, CHL, women's names being in the conversation is exciting. And we've made huge progress from where we were a year ago, two years ago. And it seems like it's only growing. Yeah. And I, watching her do those interviews in like the Montreal Canadiens zip up the like yeah. <laughs> things. I was walking around the sports offices and I was like, I could cry. Like I had goosebumps. I had chills. Oh, yeah. It was, it's incredible. And like, for me also just knowing that like, this is my hometown team. And um, it's a team that I will never hesitate to criticize, but cause oh, yeah. damn, sometimes they make it easy. But when they do something right like this, it does make me very proud. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited because yeah, like the development of young players Montreal has not gone well. And there's so much talent in this organization right now that it was kind of a do or die time to up that region of kind of development. Um, like you don't want to waste the talent you have in your system at this point in time. Yeah. So I think this is a great step in the right direction. And just what they've done recently to build that front office, bringing in um, Chantal Machabi. Uh, mm-hmm. for PR and communications she has done an incredible job an absolutely incredible job and for her to leave so for a lot of people this like you're know, like why does this matter she was it at RDS like she was she was the big shot yep. she super established she was like and I feel like Vanessa like type person it's unfortunate that like people outside of Quebec don't get to see that as much you yeah. know what I mean like but she was, she had it made and for them to be able to bring her in and have her do what she's doing is incredible. And I will never forget like reading the story of Cole Caulfield, who, when she first stepped in, she told him like, okay, go be yourself. And he was like, you want me to what? Like it wasn't a thing, very slowly changing the dynamic of this team. And it's really exciting to watch and it's really fun to watch. And I just love that Montreal is finally you know kind of catching up and women are fit for these roles so give them to them and that that is always very exciting so I can't wait for Kulain to be up in that front office and I'm very excited that Montreal is super supportive of her continuing to be on the national team and I think one more Olympic cycle oh at I mean, least I she this this woman is gonna go until she's like 50 or something just because yeah. she can she's gonna be the Tom Brady of hockey quite frankly but yeah, I, I think MPP, it's exciting. It's the most exciting and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see her grow. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see her grow within the organization, especially I think more so once she's done playing and when she retires from playing, I could see her really kind of taking off. And I think it's also just really exciting to see her get a foot in the door now yeah uh, I really agree well she's still build up that reputation and build up like a portfolio for lack of a better term mm-hmm. for when she is done playing 
Mm-hmm. Isn't it crazy that she has to like build a portfolio? Okay, I, I hated it when I said it, but like no, 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 but it's you're not wrong. Like that's the thing, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah, like, and that's the problem is I'm not wrong. Like Sidney Crosby is gonna walk out of the NHL, and if he wants a job, he's gonna get one. Gross. The best female hockey player in the world is gonna have to prove herself. So like it's yeah, it's wrong, but. That's Anyways. it for hockey today. That's it. No more hockey. We're going to talk about something else because we've only talked about hockey for like a month. So yeah, here we go. There's actually more sports to talk about. Two kinds of football. And then we're going to hit you with a little Olympic update, which is really exciting. So I love Olympics. Um, so we'll start with my love, my baby, tackle football. Uh, you're like, what NFL news? No, nothing has happened in the NFL. We're not talking about the NFL. We are in Canada. The CFL has kicked off finally for a full season. For a hot minute, it looked like we weren't going to get here because the CBA was not getting rectified. And then they went on strike again. And it was like, it was a mess. And it really looked like this season could be in jeopardy. But we are here. The season kicked off last week. We had week one. Um very near and dear to my heart the season opened up with Montreal at Calgary and this was a big big game this was like a make or break season for Vernon Adams so it's a big game to see him show up step up uh Montreal did lose 30 to 27 but it was nice to see them you know put up points Vernon Adams had a highlight reel touchdown so sorry (laughs) I'm watching um the World Cup qualifier at the same time that I'm doing this because I'm going to tell you about it when it's over in a minute and a half. Um, but it's it's getting crazy. Anyways, um, yeah, so Montreal, Calgary, great way to kick off the season. But the first two games were actually pretty close. So Montreal lost Calgary 30 to 27. And then game two of week one was Winnipeg um, hosting Ottawa. And that finished 1917. Obviously, Winnipeg reigning champs, we, we know. They're, they're doing their thing. They've seen some player movement and a little bit of changes, but clearly it hasn't affected them too much. And then Ottawa, Ottawa's a weird team because I feel like I never know who Ottawa's quarterback is. It changes every day. So I'm excited to kind of see what they do this year. Um, they also have like just a really nice stadium and I'd love to go watch a game there. Anyways, uh, Saskatchewan, the crown jewel of the CFL, literally the only team that's profitable. Actually, I don't want to say that because I don't know, but like, definitely the most profitable team in the league because there's nothing else to do in Saskatchewan there's nothing else to do and everybody goes to the nothing yeah so they beat Hamilton 30 to 13 Rough Riders they're always good they're pretty much always good which uh is you know good for the league I guess and then BC walked all over Edmonton 59 to 15 which is interesting because Edmonton had a really, really bad season last year as well. And at one point it kind of started to look up, but it, there's, ugh, it's bad. Anyways, you're probably like, Casey, you're not going into that much detail. There will be a weekly CFL piece up on Unbenched. So it will be up by the time this podcast comes out. So head over there. I'm really excited to get into more CFL content. Mm-hmm. I truly believe in the power of this league and I truly believe and its potential, even if they don't market to the right audience, but that is a conversation for a different podcast. Anyways, next next kind of football, soccer. So, football. 
football, a couple little updates. Last episode, we talked about how Canada ended up canceling their game against Iran, their international warm-up because of the political pressure. So we that story was that. They announced that they'd be playing Panama instead. And then things just, it was not, not a good week for Canada soccer. Actually, it wasn't a good couple of weeks for Canada soccer. Because, no. Which like the timing to have a bad week was very unfortunate. But um, it ended up coming out that Canada soccer, the team, was in a dispute with the organization over compensation and bonus structure. So the long story short of it is, is every confederation or every team, whatever thing that qualifies for the World Cup is awarded a pot of money from FIFA. And the main part of this dispute was how that money was being divided. And Canada, the men's team had asked for it to be divided one way massive credit to them goes to they wanted an equal split with the women's team that was that's key if you read they put out a couple statements a couple declarations letters all that if you read them they're very adamant that they want an equal split with the women's team because the women's team has done so well so much love on that front Canada soccer said and this was probably I think the first time that people were hearing about this deal they could not afford a bonus structure like what Canada was at, like what the team was asking for, which was actually very, very similar, if not identical to what the Americans are getting and how they've structured their payouts. Canada soccer said they could not afford it because of a deal that they made with the Canadian soccer business or soccer business association um, over their broadcasting rights. So essentially what that means is Canada soccer doesn't actually control the majority of their broadcasting rights, their TV rights, and that. That was signed over to the corporation that owns and operates One Soccer, which is where you can watch all of Canada's soccer games. So this gets like very businessy, and I'm not entirely equipped to comprehend and disseminate that information, but trust me, it gets very businessy, very weird and technical. But that was the main issue. Because of that, the players went on strike and they didn't train, I believe, two days before the game. They refused to take the field for training. And then it came out that they, and when that happened, everyone was like, eh, are they going to play? This, that, the other thing. Turned around and said, we're not playing. We're not playing against Panama. They put out a statement. I encourage you to go read it. It's on the team's Instagram page. Um, and I believe a couple of players have posted it as well. They put out a statement, obviously, A, apologizing to Panama um saying sorry that you guys came all the way up here and we're not playing uh apologizing to the fans but they got a little vacation yeah the main part of the statement was here's why we're not playing and they they did a very good job of explaining what they were asking for and what Canada soccer said and all that oh that is an ugly group in the world cup okay sneak peek of what we're going to be talking about in a minute so that that was that so they go on strike they don't play the Panama game couple days after Panama they're slated to start the Nations League so Nations League it's CONCACAF Nations League all the teams in CONCACAF it's kind of like a mini World Cup but only for your region it's very strange but Canada that was slated to kick off or was kicking off in the past couple days so our first game was supposed to be against Curacao also in BC they did play that game they won that game good job 
game two of Nations League uh, happened for us last night. So for you, you listen to this one. We think you're going to listen to this two nights ago. They played Honduras in Honduras. If you go watch the game and highlights, it is unrecognizable as a soccer field. It was more adjacent to water polo than soccer. And it was a true, I talk a lot about CONCACAF refereeing and North American refereeing in general. That was a true, true display of CONCACAF refereeing where you don't even have to wonder if the ref was paid. You just have to ask yourself how much because it's not a a matter of if it's a matter of how much yeah it was embarrassingly like embarrassing for CONCACAF one-sided to the point where Alistair Johnson one of this podcast's favorite players was given a red card and we're still pretty unclear on what for it appears the red card was for kicking the ball to his own goalie (laughs) um and then the ref shoved Milan so there's that it was it was just all around bad so they lost two to one to Honduras they did obviously get that goal which helps morale a little bit but it was one of those games that they could have played lights out I don't think the ref would have allowed them to win so that's where Canada soccer is Nations League will continue I'm excited to see where Canada soccer plans on scheduling the home game with Honduras that's part of Nations League. We've seen them get petty before, uh, going to play Mexico in a snowstorm in Edmonton. So don't be surprised if Honduras is scheduled to now play up in like Yellowknife. That that would sound correct. So that's that's CONCACAF. Let's go internationally. The game I've been watching, the situation I've been watching, what I've been reacting to. The two international playoff games were well one just wrapped up right now and one was yesterday so yesterday was australia versus peru today was new zealand versus costa rica and these are the international playoffs where the winner gets to go to the world cup so that's when in the world cup those like unknown balls were drawn australia peru played to a zero zero draw all through regular time all through extra time ended up in penalty shots which were really fun very fun to watch soccer penalties when they're this good. <laughs> and Australia did what I have dubbed the goalie thing, where they took off their starting goalie with like a minute left in extra time to put on their backup, or in this case, their penalty shot stopping expert. Specialist. So, <laughs> specialist. Teams have done this before. It's not completely unheard of. Um, most recently, or maybe not most recently, but like the big one I remember on the international stage is the Netherlands did this back in 2014. They brought in Tim Cruel, who looked like a cult leader, <laughs> to stop penalties. Was he in cruel? The final. Yes, he was cruel to the other team because he broke their hearts. <laughs> um, so they brought him on to stop penalties in the semifinal, and it worked. It worked beautifully. Their strategy paid off. They got to the final. They lost there, but whatever. Uh, it's happened recently in club soccer and uh, the Champions League. I think champions league or something like that, but someone was brought in to stop penalty shots and then let them all in, which was like a great look. So not unheard of to adapt the strategy. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't for Australia. It worked beautifully. 
seriously, like if you have a few spare minutes, go watch that penalty shoot. And it was, <laughs> it was good. It was, it was good. Like there were some textbook kicks. There was some wicked misses. There's some really good saves. Like it had everything. So Australia is headed to the World Cup. And Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> they call themselves the soccer ruse. So. I love that. Like that's my, like it, when Canada, Canada's going to win. But if they don't win, I'm Aussie, Aussie, Aussie all the way. All the way. Aussie, 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 oi, 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 all the way. Absolutely. The soccer ruse, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I love that. <laughs> um, it was funny when the TSN headline was like, soccer ruse to the World Cup. <laughs> so. Eat some dunkaroos yes. and there you go. The soccer ruse have qualified for the World Cup where they will be facing France, Denmark, and Tunisia. Oof. Which, you know, is not completely hopeless not gonna win that group France is gonna win that group but you know Tunisia is a winnable game and Denmark is winnable maybe I probably probably wouldn't bet on the Australians but winnable so there's that one winner of today's game which was New Zealand Costa Rica so that CONCACAF presence um was Costa Rica. They scored three minutes in and it was all them from there on out. New Zealand finished the game with 10 men after one of their players was sent off with a textbook <laughs> studs up tackle, which uh, <laughs> they're not allowed to do. No, yeah, yeah, no. Didn't know. So Costa Rica wins one nothing, and they will now face, I just saw this before, I believe it is Spain, Japan, Costa Rica, and Germany potentially yeah Costa Rica Spain Germany Japan is group E so it'll be that'll be interesting Costa Rica they might not beat you but they'll beat you up Mm -hmm. Um, they play that concat style like hard physical I don't really know how a team like Japan will respond to that or even a team like Spain that's very technical granted a team like Spain that's super technical Costa Rica might not even touch the ball so oh and right New Zealand actually had a goal called back in this game uh, right before halftime. It was called back for, I can't tell. That's unfortunate for them. I guess the guy fouled him before he got the ball. Interesting. Anyways, so your World Cup groups are all set, which is fun. And now let's- nice of them to be set for us. Thank you. Very early speculation begin. Have fun with that. It's going to be like, it's so far away that like the speculation is going to go through the cycle four times before we even get there. It's so weird though, because like the World Cup should be starting in like a month and a half. I know. that it's, we have to wait till November. What's the World Cup? Oh no, I'm thinking, Never mind. I remember one year in school and I don't remember what tournament it was because I was really young. We watched a tournament. Oh. I think it was the Euros. I feel like it was Euros. I mean, Euros is still summer, but it's like earlier in the It was summer. June. It was like the end of school. We, I remember yeah. sitting in my class watching soccer and I was pretty young. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. November so, will be a new, a new beast, but it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited for the World Cup. I'm excited. That's something to, to cheer those... for in like the dead of winter. Yeah, truly. I'm excited for Canada to be in that sticker book. <laughs> no. The, the sticker book the sticker book the panini sticker album um so that's the end of soccer 
So the bid for the Canadian 2030 Winter Olympics, it's an Indigenous-led bid. We'd love to see it. We actually love to see it. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I really hope this ends up happening. Oh, I, I hope so. 2030 Winter Olympics in Vancouver and Whistler, Indigenous, Indigenous-led bid is moving ahead. So basically what's happened is this just means that like they will actually be bidding on the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, so more details have been proposed or of their proposed bid uh, were unveiled today, which includes plans to not reuse multiple venues that were used during 2010, such as the Sliding Center and the Richmond Olympic Oval. And you would also see skiing and snowboarding events held at Sun Sun Peaks near Kamloops, BC. So that would be a little Mm -hmm. bit of a new one. So the costs are expected to be released in July and a decision on whether or not to have targeted dialogue with the International Olympic Committee on potentially hosting the Games must be made by December. So there has to be a hard yes or no. We are actually going to talk to the IOC about um, bidding on these. Has to be made by December. So the Lilwa, Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations announced on February 1st that they had signed an agreement with the city of Vancouver, the resort municipality of Windsor, the Canadian Olympic Committee, and the Canadian Paralympic Committee to explore a bid. So it's really nice to see that that intention was set and then followed through on from all parties. And this is the first ever Indigenous-led bid for an Olympic Games anywhere. Which is so exciting. So exciting, so overdue. It's exactly Uh, overdue, I think is the right word. Like, I just am imagining how, like, I can't even put into words, like, if this happens, like, watching it, I feel like I'm not even going to be, like, I can't, I can't explain how, like, it'll feel because it'll just be so long overdue. So I'm not explaining anything right now, but you know what I'm saying, like, it'll feel really good to see like it will it's time that we we give indigenous athletes and indigenous people and indigenous communities a place on that world stage too because so often it's overlooked and those communities are overlooked and especially like the indigenous people are so instrumental to canadian culture oh absolutely especially and the gentrification that we saw with the 2010 olympics is obviously inexcusable and Mm -hmm. yes they're still reeling from that but to have another opportunity and to not right your wrongs but to put in the effort is commendable and something that the indigenous people of canada will be able to you know it's it's their own they're they're doing it the way they want and on their terms and i think that's so incredible so i think that's a really good note to end this one i agree thanks for hanging out with us guys this was, this was a good episode. This was a fun Isn't episode. It so much fun to talk about something other than hockey. We talked about sports and good things and happiness. And no, we didn't yell at anyone. No, it was actually really good. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. We will see you next week. Hear, All right. hear us next week. I guess we won't see you, but you know. The whole thing. You got Bye. The Bye. <laughs>